Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Baird. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are so glad you've decided uh, to join us. We are launching a brand new series called The Pursuit, which is actually uh, the pursuit of wisdom. Uh, we've spent five weeks before this, if you're new or you've missed some time here at Ridgeview, we spent five weeks uh, before this series looking at uh, a series called The Edge. That is, how do we sharpen our life by learning uh, more about wisdom? And so we're, we're shifting the corner today, uh, looking at how do we actually uh, move from learning about wisdom to implementing it and getting it into our life. And when you dig into the scriptures and when you uh, have a relationship with God that, that's growing, uh, the emphasis is always on how it actually impacts uh, the day-to-day, what we do, uh, what we think about, how we speak, how we handle ourselves, how we react to various things that we face, whether they're good or, or whether they're bad. And in this series, uh, we really want to, like as a church, uh, think through and look inward at our own life to, to ask the question, how can I, as I learn more about wisdom, how can I really do all that the Bible says I could do to maximize wisdom uh, getting into our life? And so today, uh, we're talking about this idea of the, the pipeline and how do you maximize uh, the flow of, of wisdom uh, into your life. But what, what I want to do is kind of set it up uh, some more to just talk about wisdom and, it, and its purpose uh, for us. Uh, last week, I mentioned that uh, God is, is very gracious to us, uh, but lady wisdom in the scriptures, it's like personified. Lady wisdom uh, is actually not. Uh, the graciousness of wisdom is that reality is reality, and you, you have to line up with it or not. And God is gracious, and he's patient and compassionate. But we actually can miss the wise way. You experience that in your life where you've missed something because of a bad decision? Like, there's not really a do-over. It happened. It, there, it had an impact. It, it was real. And so the, the, the stakes of learning wisdom are, are very high. But the good news is, is we don't have to just throw darts and hope they land uh, in a good place. God guides us. He, he leads us forward. And the scriptures are very specific. If you're new to reading the scriptures, it may seem like an ancient book. Have you ever thought about the Bible and thought, there are words that I have no idea how to say, right? And you read and you're like, there's a lot about like genealogies and people that were connected to people that were connected to people, connected to people, and it can be like overwhelming. And it could be general or maybe it's outdated, uh, but the scriptures are actually very specific. As you read the scriptures, we think that we're approaching it and what happens a lot as we read the scriptures, it reads us. It tells us what's going on. It reveals things. And wisdom is the same. As we get to know God, as we take time to read the scriptures, wisdom can actually show us things about us that we can't see without wisdom showing. It's illuminating. It reveals. And in that, it can be kind of scary. Because sometimes we really want to change, but sometimes we actually know we need to change, but it's very hard to. Like we want to experience change and the fruits of it, but we don't necessarily want to actually do the hard work to change. Is that true? I know that's how I am a lot. And so my prayer, what I want to do right now, is I want to just pray that God will really show us what we need to hear, that he'll show us what we need to do, that he'll show us what we need to think. Because I think we live in a time where we could be so fearful, we could be so overwhelmed. And so what I want to do is just pray and ask God to speak to us right now. Let's pray. God, we welcome you here And as that song, we just sang, you are a good father. And as a father, you instruct us, you lead us, and you guide us in really the the perfect sense of what a father should. And you draw near to us. And we just pray 
as we continue to look into your word, as we continue to see truth, see reality according to how you have said it, will you show us things in our minds, in our thinking, in our perspective? Will you show us the things that we value? If there's anything in us that's contrary to your ways, will you just help us to see it? We can be overwhelmed by guilt. We can be overwhelmed by shame. In fact, coming to church can just kind of conjure all sorts of things like where we, we, we beat ourselves up. So what I ask, Lord, is in your grace that you'll show us what we need to change, but give us confidence knowing that it's not based on our own works or our own effort, but it's you who leads us forward. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's review a little bit of, of wisdom's approach and then we'll kind of branch off of that. So you can see this on the, the screen. Wisdom's approach is to help you develop skill in relating to people. I want you to remember the word skill. That's very important related to wisdom. Wisdom's approach is to help you actually learn things, develop skill in every area of life. We all need skill uh, at work. We need skill at projects at home. We need skill in relating to people. We need actually skill in how we handle every facet. So wisdom is really concerned with the skill that we develop in life, again, according to God's reality. And the second is wisdom's approach is to handle, to help us handle a life successfully. Wisdom's approach uh, is really for us to learn in the lab of life. Uh, much of our learning in the West and much of your learning and my learning probably was existing in a classroom, correct, right? You go to school and you enter in a young age, and then you go to school for a really long time. And then everyone said, like, you go to college, you get more school. You're like, okay, we'll go to college. And then all of a sudden, like, a bachelor's degree was like a high school diploma. So you no longer just go to college. What do you need to get? You got to get a master's. And then you get a master's, like, well, that's now like a bachelor's. So now we all need to get PhDs and certificates. And so all of education is a lot of time the classroom. Let me ask you this. Do you remember what your fifth grade teacher taught you about math? Look at the, okay. Math teacher right there, front row. It's like, yeah, best, best experience of my life. But most of the time related to, to classroom, uh, we don't remember a lot of the lessons. You know what we remember? Field trips. What was the fun stuff? That one time, the one time out of four years that I did something outside the classroom, that's what we remember. We remember like special interactions. We remember assemblies. We remember guests coming to speak to us, right? It's not, well, frankly, it's not like this. You don't learn a lot often when you're just listening to somebody. And wisdom is the same. There's learning that happens in a classroom and that can fill us with knowledge. And that's good. Knowledge gives us categories. We learn. And that's important. But wisdom is more concerned with not just knowledge, but the skill. And actually how you handle life, and that happens in the middle of life. You learn about life by living life. But unless you have wisdom, you can just live life and keep doing the same things again. And we've been talking about that. The school of hard knocks, remember? We've all been enrolled in that for certain periods, but you don't want to stay in that school because you end up with lots of knots on your head. So wisdom's approach is how do we move out of just life and experience to actually evaluating those experiences and learning a new way, skill, and handle life successfully. I want to review what the scriptures say. Proverbs 
uh, you'll see up here, uh, is where we learn so much about wisdom. If you want to learn about wisdom, read the book of Proverbs. It's very helpful. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice. Again, it's personified. Lady Wisdom raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. If you joined us last week, I shared a similar passage from Proverbs chapter 8. And wisdom, again, is, is calling out in the gateways, in the entryways, like the intersections of life, when we're making decisions, when there's a lot at stake, wisdom is crying out to us. And Proverbs 1 is saying the same thing. Now, it's very interesting. Um, notice the emphasis. Wisdom is, is calling aloud, okay, it's something you can hear. Her voice is what? Raised. So it's not just, I'm wisdom, but I'm wisdom. Pay attention. The voice is raised. But notice that there's some competing noise at the head of the noisy streets. So in the middle of wisdom crying out, in the middle of this voice that's being raised, there's all sorts of noise that's going on in life that is not wisdom. Now, I can really relate to that. There's a lot of noise in my life, oftentimes, that doesn't reflect wisdom. You ever overthink things, and you're running scenarios of a future that has not happened? And then you're worried and freaked out? What are you freaked out about? Well, if this happens, I'm freaked out. What if it doesn't happen? I don't know, but it, it might. And I, I love to run scenarios. But sometimes the more scenarios you run, you create this reality that doesn't exist. And then you're responding in real time to reality that actually hasn't happened. That's noise. So wisdom is crying aloud. She raises her voice, knowing that there's a lot of competing noise that all of us experience. These can be noise that we create ourselves. These can be noise other people telling us, this is the way. This is what you should do. But wisdom is saying, be careful. I will raise my voice. You want to make sure you hear it. You want to make sure you know my voice. So you can differentiate between all the other noise. And then in the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. So even in the middle of noise, even in the middle of all these things that are happening in the gateways of all the decisions that we make, wisdom is saying, I'm, I'm giving you something. There's something you can learn. There's something you can hear. There's something that you can see differently than your natural tendencies. That's what wisdom is. It's counter to our default. The scriptures say, you know, our default, and we're going to talk more about this in this series, but our default is really like a stubborn determination to get what we want. I know that's true because I have a stubborn determination to get what I want. Now, we could all say amen to that because we all do have a stubborn determination to get what we want. That's right. Doesn't that just feel good and scary at the same time? But that's the world we live in. It's native to us. That's what sin is. We rebel, we go our own way, and the price of the rebellion is brokenness, being cut off from God, and looking out for ourselves. And we want things on our own terms. And we're actually defiant many times because we want what we want so badly, and we're willing to hurt others to get it. It may be inside, it may come out externally, but this is what we see in the world, the brokenness. So wisdom, knowing this, is crying out, desperately hoping that, that we will listen. Now, the good news is, Lady Wisdom ultimately comes from God. So the personification is, is to help us know that this is a relationship that's happening, but the relationship with wisdom is connected to God himself, and we've talked about that. But wisdom 
comes from God. You can see this in Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord gives what? The Lord gives it. When the scriptures are saying that, it's talking about the source. If you want wisdom, you can have a certain degree of worldly wisdom, and certainly the knowledge of this world, what people have advanced and learned, and God creating us in his image, the way that we can think and be creative, is beautiful. You look at that just in our world, all the advances. But ultimate wisdom does not come from man alone. Ultimate wisdom comes from God. He's the source, and it goes on. It says, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So this wisdom comes from the source, God himself. And there's really this sense of this pipeline that God wants to kind of pour into us where that wisdom really flows. But there's certain things that we could do that clog the pipeline. And so I want to talk about that. And I just want to say up front, this sermon and what we're going to talk about today is like very counterintuitive. In fact, as I've been like wrestling with this and as I've been thinking about this and like soaking it in myself, there's been many parts of what I'm saying that I don't even like myself. Like, that's kind of hard to hear. Like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't feel good. So what I'm talking about today is going to kind of be a current that's a little bit different. But I think it's important to remember, again, what wisdom's goal is, skill, and to handle life, and to find success in that. So let's start with this major point. Wisdom's pipeline is correction first, then principles and reasons follow. Another way to say it is if you want to grow in wisdom, you have to be willing to experience pain. Aren't you so glad you came today? But this is a very important point. Because for all of us to develop skill means that we have to admit that we don't have skill in what we need to develop skill in. And because all of us are natively, stubbornly determined to get what we want, it's very hard to admit that the way we're doing things is potentially not the right way. But for wisdom's pipeline to pour in, you actually have to be willing to be corrected to see things differently, to admit that you don't see everything maybe clearly. There's not as much clarity as you hoped. Now, pipeline, the definition is this, a direct channel for information, a state of development, preparation, or production. So the idea is for wisdom to be produced in you, for you to learn, to gain skill, and to handle life successfully means that at the core, you have to be willing to be corrected to see things differently, to be corrected, to admit that there's something else going on that I may not be able to see. This past uh, Friday was my my wife's birthday, and we went to Glen Ivy to celebrate. It was great. At Glen Ivy, it's like a, a spa. What do you do at a spa? You go to what? Feel good. And you pay a lot of money. And that's like life. You want to feel good? You got to pay for it. But there's this one part at Glen Ivy, which kind of represents what I'm talking about. And it's this, these spas, it's called the the polar plunge. Are you intrigued yet? (laughs) Basically, there exist two pools of water right next to each other. And one is super cold. It's like 67 degrees. 
and one is 103. And the idea is for you to gain like maximum impact, and they have a sign, it lists all these things. Like it's like improve your circulation, fight inflammation, buys your groceries. You know, it's like all sorts of, it's amazing benefits, you know. And so, but you go in the, you go in the hot jacuzzi for like five minutes, up to five minutes, and then you go to the cold, the polar ice jacuzzi for like 60 seconds. And the thought is, is like, that's actually the coldness and the contrast is what really helps your circulation. It helps all sorts of benefits for your life. And so I was like, this, this is like, I'm all for this. This is great. I want improved circulation, anti-inflammatories in my life. And so I'm heating up, wife and I, and we're in the jacuzzi, and it's like, are you excited? Like, yeah, kind of. And then I stuck my foot in the water, and I'm like, this is the worst thing ever. I don't even think it's real. They have a camera just like, let's see if they get in the cold one and think it works, you know. But So I got in the cold water, and I'm in my knees. I'm like, I, I'm good. I made it like five seconds. I'm good. And I thought, well, I don't think I'm going to reap the benefits if I'm in for five minutes up to my knees. There's a lot of inflammation that's out just there, right? Like, I need to get in, and I, I, I climb in. I'm like, this, <laughs> this is great. Like, what am I doing? And then I, I just decide, like, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. I just went full immersion in there. I'm a Baptist. I went in, and I went all in. And then I got out, and I was like, what am I thinking? Like, my brain is kind of tingling, you know? And then I got out of that water and went into the hot water, and then your whole body stinks. And I'm thinking, well, that, that, that signifies something. something's happening. You know, bionic. It's like, this has a point, I think, but I just wanted to share with you. No, it does have a point, because the thing is, is like, again, we all want the benefits of something, right? But you have to experience the pain. You have to go cold in this polar to experience all the benefits. And wisdom's the same. If you want the benefits of skill and handling life successfully, you have to be willing to experience correction. That is, you're not doing things necessarily the right way. That's very hard for us, all of us. And we actually live in a culture which is very just afraid of pain, very afraid. We all want everyone to feel good equally at the same time. No matter what you do, no matter what you think, we want everyone to feel good. We don't want pain. We don't want hard things, but we all want success. And we all want to handle life successfully. And the thing is, wisdom says, that's not actually how it works. You can't have it both ways. You could feel good. But oftentimes it's very hard to just feel good and get what you want and find success. That's what wisdom teaches us. And so this pipeline that God wants to grow, it's just rooted and lined with correction. So if you want to grow in wisdom, what this means is you have to be teachable. And this is something that all of us will battle the rest of our lives. Because there's a value that we have natively in us, but also that's reinforced through our culture which is the idea of like, we all can do whatever we want and we'll all up and end up in the same place eventually. It's ultimate acceptance. That is, 
There's no discrimination for what is right or wrong. You even say the word discrimination, you're like, oh, you can't discriminate. Actually, in life, you should discriminate decisions, good versus bad, right versus wrong, wisdom versus foolishness. Categories are very important. And this idea of like just acceptance, we're all, we'll all be fine. We'll just, as long as we're, we're happy, we'll end up in the same place. That's not what wisdom does. Wisdom wants us to unlearn the things that are wrong and relearn and learn for the first time the things that are right. And to be able for that to happen, you have to be a teachable person. I want to talk about that a little bit. But let's read this verse, which is very challenging, and it's a warning to all of us. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? Lady Wisdom's calling out. It's asking all of us. How long will we, as simple people, love our simple ways? Now, simple, uh, very interesting. It means literally open-minded. You ever heard somebody say, just have an open mind? Could be helpful. Could really be disastrous. If your mind is open and there's nothing that's filtering what's true and what's false, you could end up filling your open mind with a lot of things that are not true. I've had this in my life. All of a sudden, I realize I believe something. I haven't checked it with the truth, but it's been backed up by my own heart, my own feelings, my own goals. It's reinforced in culture, and before I know it, I buy into something that's actually not true. The self-esteem movement is a lot like that. Just feel good about yourself, and you'll be good. Well, wisdom is saying, actually, you've got to be willing to, to realize you, you have a lot of problems. So a healthy self-image a lot of times comes realizing you're messed up. You don't find that in psychology. You really don't. Make yourself feel better, and you'll be better. Well, actually, a lot of times, if you're doing things the wrong way, you have to admit, it's not right. I have to change. And so this warning, how long will you open-minded people Love being filled with open-minded ideas. It's a challenge for all of us. And then how long will the mockers, now mockers literally means here like to scorn and ridicule the things that are right, the things that are uh, pleasing to God. Can we do that? Yeah, we can all do that without realizing it. There's things that are noble and in us we can be sinister towards them because of our experience, because of what we hear, because of what we do. How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools Hate, knowledge. Now, the fool here, that specific word, is a specific type of fool. Now, there are many different types of fool in Scripture, but we only have one English word for it. So it's kind of confusing. Fool, that's all we know. But in Scripture, there's nuances of different fools that have certain characteristics. This fool comes from the root, the casile fool. And what it's saying is there's a certain type of tendency that you may have as a fool, and it's this lazy liar. To be a lazy liar. Like, you don't really want to do things, and then when you don't do it, and reality hits and you get found out, you lie to get out of it, or you lie to make it seem like it wasn't your decisions. It's very helpful to know, because that tendency is in us. And certain people struggle with that more than others, but how long will fools, this casile, this lazy liar, hate knowledge? Now, verse 23, think about this pipeline. If you had responded to my rebuke, if you'd responded to my correction, chastisement, 
pain, I would have what? Poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. That's the pipeline. What's clogging it? Mockery, simple-minded, foolishness. Not responding to correction. Wanting to be wise in our own eyes. Thinking we know the best. We live in a time where if anybody says anything about somebody and what they should do, it's like, you, you can't say that? Unless it fits the narrative that people want. But what Scripture is saying is actually, if, if you respond and you hear and you're teachable, you could change your life. You know how high the stakes are? This is a warning. Meaning we could be going on a path that could be very destructive. And if we're not teachable, we'll continue on that path for the rest of our lives. Cause and effect. Very, very important. I want to show you a, a clip. Oh, I heard a yes. People are excited. You guys ever seen the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? It's, it's a classic. Um, in this clip, I think what set up the scene that I'm about to show you is John Candy is driving. And he ends up trying to take his jacket off. I think this is what's happening. And he gets stuck, and he gets spun around, and he literally, like, the whole car's turning, and he ends up going the wrong way on the interstate. But he doesn't know it because there's no cars. So he's literally going in the wrong direction on the interstate when a car comes to try to help him. Notice their response to this correction. Let's watch it together. Joker wants to race. Don't race. That's ridiculous. All right, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Put your window down. You want something? Uh, he's probably drunk. You're going the wrong way. What? You're going the wrong way. He said we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. Oh, what a moron. You're going in the wrong direction. You're going to kill somebody. Now you're going to be like, man, I just want to see the rest. But what, what was the response to the correction that was coming their way? Moron. <laughs> A little drunk. But it's, it's very interesting. Because the people that were correcting saw the reality of the situation. John Candy, Steve Martin, not so much. And what were they headed to? Destruction. 
Now, if they would have responded earlier, in the movie it all worked out. They just perfectly go through two semi-trucks. And it's funny. But if that were real life, it'd be far more destructive. So if they would have heeded the correction earlier, they could have actually changed course. And it's the same with life. If we're teachable and we're willing to, to hear from God, and he gives us wisdom through his word. One of the primary ways that we have to be teachable is to God's ways. Like As he speaks to us through his word, am I willing to do what it says? Am I willing to actually apply that to my life? So I want to talk a little bit of the nature of the correction that, that God can bring. Well, let's start there. Proverbs 6. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way of life. So scripture here, and this isn't the only place it talks about it, it's this idea of like it's a light before you, it illuminates your path. If you're struggling in your life right now, like you feel stuck, and you feel uh, like there's a lot of haze, and there's fog, and there's darkness, and you can't see, you can't find clarity from social media. You can't find clarity from the news. You can't even find clarity to the same degree from people. You have to find clarity from God himself, the truth of Scripture. You have to read it. And as you read it, this is a promise. Like, it's a lamp. Like, you can see things that you couldn't see. It lights your path. Like, this is the way you can, you can go. God's leading you, you forward. So I love that. Like, I read that. I'm like, yes, the Scripture is a lamp. I'm excited. It's a light. Yes, clarity. I love clarity. And the corrections of discipline are the way of life. Can we just have the light part? Like, I like that. But the correction of discipline. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this word discipline. It's very important. It shows up again and again in the wisdom literature found in Scripture. Discipline comes from the Hebrew word musar. There's one thing I always think of when I say musar, and it's this. Mufasa. There's no like real connection other than I just wanted to tell you that that always comes to my mind, okay? But actually here, he's giving some instruction to Simba, right? But musar uh, means this. If you go back to the, the fund of corrective instruction, we need and to chastise, there's that word again, like the instruction a coach gives. So correction from God's word comes as like a coach that's correcting, like you're actually doing this, but that's not gonna bring you success, you need to, to shift your plan. You need to look at it uh, differently. It's a warning. It's instruction. And then it's co- co- this correction that results in, in change. And God's word like, primarily does that. Have you ever read scripture and all of a sudden you realize it just like, kind of smacked you on just the head? Like I, I read scriptures all the time about the way I should be treating people. Be kind and compassionate. Oh, what? Rejoice Always. Huh? Do not let any unwholesome talk. Do not let any. What? Doesn't make sense. That's not how the world works. That's not how I work. The scriptures, it's, it's, it's giving you correction. And God uses that again and again in his word. Now, other forms of correction can be circumstances. God can use your circumstances to get your attention. And there are circumstances that bring pain, and he can use those circumstances that bring pain to bring correction to you, cause and effect. You ever gotten a speeding ticket? It corrects you. 
And then for two weeks, you're driving like straight out of driver's ed. I mean, you're 10 and two, you know, you're just, you're stopping at every stop sign, counting to five. Is that right? I don't know how long you're supposed to count. Maybe that's indicative of something I should be working on. But you're, you know, you're, and then like after two weeks, you're kind of like, yeah, back to 85, rolling stop signs, you know? But tickets, like they they correct you, it changes you for for a little bit. But circumstances is, you know, we can keep keep experiencing that, and God wants to use it to change us for life. And we just need to pray that we'll pay attention. Uh, Here's the nature of discipline. Hebrews 12, this is now in the New Testament. I really appreciate this perspective. For the moment, all discipline seems painful. Sometimes I read scripture, I'm like, yeah, like, it doesn't seem it. Like, it is. Like, it is painful. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Would you guys agree with that? Yes. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So discipline, training. New ways, new skill. You have to shift. You have to to change. So it seems painful, yes. But how can we be trained by it? Teachability. If you want to be trained, like it says, the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it, think training, think teachable. Think training, think teachable. If you want training and you want to learn, you have to be teachable. I want to talk a little bit about uh, what that is. But last week, I talked about the prerequisites for wisdom, and it's humility and fear of the Lord. Humility, that is, I need to put God before myself. I need to put others before myself. I need to think through how I'm not the center of the universe. There's other things going on, like humility. I don't know it all. Key prerequisite for wisdom, the pipeline, right? Like It helps set the pipeline to flow. And then fear of the Lord, I want to do what God says according to his word. I want to take him seriously. Now the, the pipeline is ready. And then for that pipeline, for wisdom to launch through to get into your life, correction. Humility, fear the Lord. Set up correction to to be able to kind of land in us. Now, teachability can cause so much blessing in your life. And this isn't on the PowerPoint. It's not on your notes. But I just did a, a brief just reminder study of like teachability and how it shows up in Scripture. Pay attention to what teachability brings. And then ask the question is like, who wants this? Like who wants these blessings? Okay, here's the first one. Long life. Scripture actually says teachability leads to long life. Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 2. If you're taking notes, these are important references to look up. Another thing teachability brings, good life and health. Do you know how many billions are spent on people trying to figure out good life and health? Like think about it. Billions very important. Here's another one. So that's Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. Another one is peace and protection. Peace and protection, Proverbs 6, 20 through 24. Prosperity, teachability and prosperity are linked. Proverbs 16, 20. Honor, Proverbs 13, 18. Isn't that like the list of all lists? Like, that's what I want. Like every single one of those. That's amazing. That's the fruit. But the root of the fruit is teachability. And then it's like, oh, that's hard. 
And it is. But here's how you can kind of unclog the pipeline of wisdom. If, if this is new to you, this like teachability and correction, it can kind of seem like, whoa, that feels like kind of harsh. It feels like, isn't God just accept me the way I am? He, he absolutely accepts you the way that you are. And he loves you and he meets you exactly where you are. And he meets me exactly where I am every morning. But you know what God does? He doesn't want me to stay there. So he accepts you, but he wants to change you to be like him. And oftentimes for that to happen, it can come through pain because we can hold on to our ways so strongly. But here, here are some things that you can do to kind of begin to get teachability into your life. Again, that's not on here. This will be my last point, but this is just uh, some more help. The first is, is you have to be willing to accept instruction and commands. Life is teaching you. God is teaching you. But you, you have to choose to accept it. And God's commands, you have to choose what you do with that. Like, is this real? Is it true? Is this something I want to actually live by? Make it valuable above all of the things that I've heard or other things that I believe? On the stack of what God says, what about what I say? And who wins that? On the stack of uh, what the Bible says success versus what the culture says success, who wins that? All of us sort every single day of our life, and we make decisions on what's most important. Values, and then perspective, both of those indicate what we do. Here's some ways to accept instruction. Paying attention, listening closely, and remembering. Like, pay attention to what God says. Are any of you bad listeners? You didn't even hear what I just said. I'm not the greatest listener. I've been really trying to work on it. But there's times where I'm like, somebody's talking to me, and all of a sudden something just gets my attention. Maybe there's something else going on. And somebody's talking to me, I'm looking at their eyes, and then I'm, then my watch buzzes. Then my phone is buzzing because my watch is buzzing, and I haven't checked the buzz on my watch. And, zzz, 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 zzz. and I'm just talking to somebody, and I have no idea what they're saying. There's distractions, and so to accept instructions, like you, you pay attention, you unplug, you listen closely. Why? Because there's something that you could hear that could change you. That's what God does. On a Sunday, that's what he does. We should come expecting to hear something from God that we may have never heard before. He wants to speak to us. Another way to accept instruction and to be teachable is not talking. Somebody ever told you something that you should do, and right when they're telling you, yeah, I've done that, no, I, yeah, I agree, I've done that, yeah. And the person, if they're wise, would say, it's great to hear. A wise person will no longer want to give you things to think about if you're talking over them. Why? The pipeline is clogged. You're going to have a backup. But if you actually listen and you focus I want to encourage you, if somebody tells you something and it feels a little bit like a correction or a challenge or they're helping you see it, one of the best things you can do is, what I hear you saying is, and repeat what they said. And give them a chance to actually add to that or take away from that. What you're saying is like, it's important. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to repeat what you're saying. I want to soak it in. It's hard to do this. If you're like me, you hear somebody tell you something and you want to show them how you've already thought about it before they've ever told you. 
It's the opposite of teachability. Third, not focus on your own opinions. Are people opinionated? Are you? Yeah, man, we've got preferences, right? We've got all sorts of opinions. And we've got access to every opinion that could reinforce our opinion. You want to know about something? You can find it. Just Google it. Find something about it. Quote it. It's my opinion. And it's supported by this. And as you do that, you just wise in your own eyes. You're reinforcing what you believe. Proverbs 18.2 talks about that. And then, if you really want to accept instruction, obey. Like when it's God and he tells you to do something, do it. If you do what God says, it was a test. And if he sees that you've obeyed, he's going to continue to pour out his commands, and you'll grow in wisdom. So I hope that's, that's helpful. Accept instruction and commands. Uh, the second, this is how God uses others. Accept instruction and commands. You know, again, it comes primarily from his word, but if you want to grow in wisdom, another way is to listen to advice. Has somebody talked to you about something and you don't want to hear it? Has that ever happened to you? It happens a lot. When you're younger, that happens a lot to your, you know, with your parents, right? And you could even be older. And have you ever found your parents still doing that? Well, son, you should, and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm 41 years old. But could your parent still help you with something? They could. A teachable person listens to the advice and then determines, is there something to this advice that's wise that I should heed? Or is some of it good and some of it bad? You, you have to filter according to God's word. But listening to advice, Proverbs 19.20, very important. And then the third, receive correction. Be willing to allow somebody to correct you. And if you receive correction, you can grow in wisdom. What it is is we all have blind spots. In fact, correction is one of the values that we have as a church. It's one of our hard attitudes. Give and receive scriptural correction. The idea is we, we just all have things that we don't see. We have blind spots. The other day, like I was driving somewhere, and I started, this happened twice. I kind of did like a whoop signal, and almost twice I like hit cars. I'm always hesitant to talk about my driving because I freak everyone out like, hey, is he parked in the front lot or the back? But it's like a blind spot. You know, you don't see it. So it's like I'm, I'm, I'm changing lanes. Oh, wow, I can't change lanes. There's a car there. Woo-hoo, close one. <laughs> and you're like, I hope my family didn't see it. And then you do it again. Oh, whoa, what's crazy out here, you know? What's crazy? I, I don't think I'm looking. That might be the crazy thing. It's me. But correction helps us to see the blind spots that we can't see. And this is a pattern uh, for parenting, like for, for discipline. Discipline your kids. Pray that God will make their heart teachable, soft. And there'll be seasons where it's soft, and there'll be seasons when it's hard. Pray that God will help you connect to their heart. And you don't correct out of disdain, and you don't correct one-time offense. You correct patterns, but you, you want to correct your kids and discipline your kids because you love them. And Scripture tells us to. But, but discipline is it's painful. It's painful to receive. It's painful to give. But I've experienced this in my life where people have given me instruction 
And I've experienced this in my life where God's word has just hit me and just shown me the error of my ways. And I've experienced this in my life where somebody has corrected me out of love so that I could learn and do something differently. Years ago, when our kids were younger, we were going to a restaurant after church. You ever gone to a restaurant after church with young kids? And you're like, why do we do that? I could have just gone home. You ever done that? So we're at a restaurant after church with young kids. And we're with a group uh, from church, the old church that we were part of. And my mentor was there. And we're just enjoying our time as a family and with these people. But it's getting stressful. The kids are tired and they're hungry. And, you know, they don't quite understand, like, well, we have to wait to order. And then our food comes. And, you know, they're like, ah, I'm hungry. You know, and you're like, oh, isn't this great? Lunch after church at a restaurant, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, my, my wife is, has one of our kids and begins to put this kid into a, a high chair. And I'm sitting, like, kind of boxed in at this restaurant in a booth, and she's, like, putting one of the kids in, and just, you ever had the kid that just does the, like, the, like, the, just the stiff, like, not going to do it, enjoy your restaurant, and, you know, my wife, Sam, she's just struggling, like, just trying to, like, get, like, get the legs in without breaking the legs, like, you don't want to break the legs, and, and, and so she's just struggling, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is quite fascinating. And I'm just watching and like, oh, man, that looks kind of rough. Totally passive. It's like, it's like a zoo. And I'm like, oh, man, wow, look at that. Looks kind of rough. It's like a struggle. And then my mentor looks at me. You ever have somebody that just loves you and you know them and they give you a look and you're like, uh-oh. He just gave me a look. Like his eyes kind of squint. Squinty eyes. I'm like, oh, I'm about to get something, I think, here. And he said, you cannot let them do that. <laughs> it was kind of like a, <laughs> like a nervous laugh, like, you know? It's like, is he, like, serious? And you need to take that child into the bathroom and you need to spank them. (laughs) Uh, Oh, gosh, I think, what? Is this happening? So I'm feeling totally stupid. Like, oh, yeah, like, I shouldn't just be sitting here watching this go on and not do anything. Like, I shouldn't just be passive and just watch it happen and unfold right before me in a restaurant after church, like, we're having fun. And he just looked at me. And then I was like, wait, is this like, 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 literally? Like, and, and I just, I was nervous. I was embarrassed. I felt dumb. And all of a sudden, for the first time, I saw something I hadn't seen. My mentor said, that's rebellion. The kid is rebelling against your wife. Wait, wait, no one does that against my wife. (laughs) I'm ready. But when it's your kid, it's tough. But think about that. Would you let anybody do something to harm, to rebel against your wife? And so from that moment, we had to make a commitment as parents. Like we, we have to take this discipline seriously. And it actually could be really awkward at times. 
There may be times where we have to leave a space because we need to discipline our kids. There may be times we need to actually go home because it would not be right for us to stay. But that's so hard because we just want to act like it's all fine. But it's the discipline and the correction. What's at stake? Well, I don't want my kids to be rebels. And that's what happens. And all of us are rebels without correction. So I, you know, deal with the situation, and the rest of the day, I just was like processing it. And I just, I was so embarrassed. I, I was. I was like, I was humiliated. And I started to realize, like, wow, how much pride did I have? Like, this person helped me see something I could not see, gave me a category for it, challenged me, challenged me. And I just was like, wow, that felt kind of weird. That was the polar plunge. You want the benefit. You got to do something hard. And so I want to encourage you. Take some time to reflect, and this is what I want to end on. Take some time to reflect in your, in your own life. And this is the nature of the harvest. This is a promise, again, from the book of Galatians. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Corruption, But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. God is very gracious, but if you plant foolish seeds and you don't deal with them, you will have foolish fruit. God can't be mocked. If it's right, it's right. If it's true, it's true. We can't have it both ways. And so I want to just encourage you to reflect on your own life. And I just put some questions up here. If you could just put all of them out there. What is God trying to teach you right now? How is he trying to train you in wisdom? So are there things happening in your life that he's getting maybe your attention? Are you losing sleep anywhere? The band, you guys can come on up. I'm wrapping up. But uh, what is God trying to teach you? Is he trying to train you? Are, are you losing sleep? Like, are you, you anxious or troubled by things? Oftentimes where the pressure is, that's where God wants to teach you wisdom. So re- reflect on that. And then here's the second. Are there patterns in your life that involve relational conflicts, repeated problems, and other difficulties? Oftentimes, we're not that curious people. Things happen, and we don't think about it. But if there are really repeated patterns which are causing problems, lean into those. Because oftentimes, God's wisdom is not present there, and he'll help you. But you have to be willing to like, admit that. Like There's a conflict. Well, if there's a conflict, you don't know what to do. You have to get help. And how do you get help? We have to be teachable and humble. But we're having these conflicts. I don't know what we're doing. We're stuck. Do you know how many marriages could be saved if couples were teachable? You could actually learn and grow. It's true. It happens. But we have to lean into that. And then the third, compare what God says to do in his word with what you're currently doing. Man, that's a challenge. Like, what are the differences? If you don't know God's viewpoint on a matter, ask a more mature believer to show you. Why would you ask a more mature believer to show you? Because you don't know. But to ask somebody something you don't know requires you to be what? Teachable. You see, it's, it's all connected. So this pipeline wisdom, God wants to pour it into our lives. This is one of the most exciting things for me because this is real. God can change and transform you if you let him. You can be a different person one year from now than you are right now.
We don't have to stay the same. Will there be some discipline and pain? Well, if we want to be teachable, yeah. But through the discipline and through the pain, you can be a different person. You just have to ask, like, how bad do I want it? How bad do I want wisdom in my life? So take some time. Reflect on these. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word, which at times can, can be painful. Your, your ways are so different than ours, God. Your thoughts are different than ours. But in humility and teachability, we can actually learn new ways. So God, will you show us, again, through reflection, through your word, will you show us anything in our approach, in our attitude, in our thoughts that are not right, that don't reflect the truth of your scriptures? We ask that you'll do a work in our hearts and transform us from the inside out that only represents the power of you, our living God. And God, we just pray that you'll help us to be a group of people who are compelled to share the difference that Jesus Christ makes in a life. We pray for our baptism celebration, our Easter services, our spring picnic, our sports camp. And moving to two services, Lord, we ask that you will prepare people that you have to hear your gospel, that you will prepare people to come. Right now, we ask in the name of Jesus that you will soften hearts, that you will clear schedules, that you will compel people to want to respond to you. We cannot change people. Only you can. So we ask, by the power that you gave Jesus to rise from the dead, that you will work among us in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.